Just this Sunday, Pope Francis made an announcement at the Angelus that has all sorts of people worried about the consecration of Russia, which is to happen on March 25th. He talked about consecrating humanity, and that brings all sorts of questions, particularly because popes have tried for the last hundred years to get this right to no avail. We're going to be speaking today on the John Henry Weston Show with one of the foremost Fatima experts in the world. He's written a book about how seven popes failed to do what they need to do over the past hundred years or so. You're going to want to stay tuned for this conversation with John Salza. John, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, John Henry. Great to be with you. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. John, I couldn't think of a better person to speak with, particularly in light of what's just happened, given your books. I'm going to read out the titles here, and we'll flash them up on the screen. The first of your books on Fatima, uh, by the way, among your many other books, this is just the Fatima books, the Consecration of Russia, How Seven Popes Failed to Heed Heaven's Command and Brought Turmoil to the Church and the World. That was in 2013. Your latest book on the subject, A Catechism on Fatima and the Related Crisis in the Church from 2015, actually got kudos from the great Cardinal Burke. Congratulations on that, and it's great that uh, you're on our show this today. It was wonderful. Cardinal Burke and I have a connection since he was in the neighboring diocese here in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, but I've I've gotten to know him, and he's he's just a, a wonderful person. In addition to being such a great cardinal, so let's get into this. I wanted to give you the wording uh, from the Pope's Angelus on Sunday that has so many people concerned, and perhaps rightfully so, about uh, what this all means. I'm going to read it to you now. This is from the Pope's Angelus on Sunday. He said, and I quote. I invite every community and all the faithful to unite with me on Friday, 25th of March, the Solemnity of the Annunciation, for the solemn act of consecration of humanity, especially Russia and Ukraine, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, so that she, the Queen of Peace, may help us obtain peace. End quote. So, uh, first of all, John, if, if you wouldn't mind starting with the issue of wording is it really all that important? And uh, start, maybe you can start with us there. Well, it certainly is. I mean, the act of consecration means identifying something specifically to set it aside for a sacred use. And what it is intended to do is to bring something from its profane state into a state where it can be used sacredly. And because John Henry, Our Lady said that Russia, God is permitting Russia to be the instrument of chastisement for the world. This is why Russia has to be singularly identified as the object of the consecration. You see, um, to say that we're consecrating humanity with Russia and other countries, it's, it convolutes the formula. Our Lady's words were so very simple and we know how God acts because this is ultimately coming from, from God himself, we must follow his commandments to a T. Look at the sacraments, for example. Now, a consecration is lesser than the sacraments, but would follow, you know, the same blueprint. Use the words that Our Lady gave, which are very simple. I consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And 
I mean, historically, we've actually just seen in the last year uh, numerous instances around the world of parishes having to redo baptism, sometimes going back decades, because priests or ministers of baptism, deacons or whatever, have failed to use the proper wording. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and, and perhaps the, the sanctifier or something like that. Very slight wording differences, but actually invalidated the baptisms. Is that something similar that you're, you're speaking of? In, in, indeed. I mean, we had a recent case where the priest was using the formula, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The church said no. Uh, and that's because Christ instituted the formula for baptism. Well, God has given the formula effectively for the consecration of Russia through Our Lady, that it must be the words consecration, not entrustment or any other thing like that. Uh, Russia has to be the object of the consecration, and then it must be to the immaculate heart of Mary. Our, our Lord wants Our Lady glorified in this regard, and her immaculate conception in particular to be, to be glorified and known throughout the world. So the words are critical here. And it seems to me, John Henry, if we have one shot at this now, uh, we've, we've got to get it right. Okay, so the absolute severity here is, is, is quite a bit because, as you've mentioned already, Russia was prophesied to be the instrument of chastisement for the world. Also, if it's done, and we know from Our Lady it will be done, and from Our Lord, actually, uh, yes. it will be done. It will be done late. And then Russia will convert, and then there will be an era of peace given to the world. Beautiful promises, especially right now, it, it, where we can see the need up front with the war in Ukraine and Russia. Really, there's a fomenting world war uh, coming. Even the, the president of Ukraine having mentioned that just recently about the reality of World War III, the reality of nuclear war. So huge things on the table for all of humanity. Your expertise in this is, is rather uh, very poignant, especially at this time. If you can go through what, in a nutshell, what one of your books did about the seven popes who failed to do what they did and the resulting horror for the world. And it comes down to language, either omitting to do the consecration altogether or doing the consecration, but not using the proper words of Our Lady. We know, John Henry, that as early as 1930, uh, Pius XI was informed by Lucia and her confessor, Father Goncalves, about the consecration. There's a record that states about September of 1930, he was made aware of it. Now we remember Our Lady came to fulfill her promise to request the consecration in 1929. The Holy Father was made aware of this the following year. And then Jesus appeared to Lucia in Rianjo, Spain, saying, make it known to my ministers that if they continue delaying the execution of my request, they will follow like the King of France into the same misfortune. So already our Lord, two years running, intervened and said, we're not, heaven is not happy with this. Pius XI presumably had a responsibility to, to do it based upon our Lord's uh, appearance to Lucia uh, in 1931. Uh, that brings us then to Pius XII. And to summarize, there's more we can say, but to summarize, he did a consecration to the world without uh, the bishops in 1942. And then he did a consecration to the peoples of Russia in 1952. He's the only pope to date that has actually mentioned Russia in a consecration. Now, after the 42 consecration of the world, which did not mention Russia and did not have the participation of the world's bishops, 
Lucia went on record in 1943 uh, saying that the, the consecration was, quote, incomplete. And again, in 1951, she said it had not been done. And so when Pius XII mentions Russia, he does so, but without the participation of the bishops, it was not a solemn and, and public ceremony or an act of consecration and reparation. He did it in an apostolic letter called Sacro Vergente Anno. Uh, Lucia followed that and said that was insufficient. We know from her famous interview to, with Father Fuentes in 1957, she stated that no one has paid any attention to Our Lady's message, telling us that even the explicit mention of Russia without the participation of the bishops of the world and without a public and solemn ceremony of reparation and consecration did not suffice. And so we, we then come to uh, John the 23rd. Unfortunately, he did not. He was preoccupied with other things, namely calling the council. Um, he also had the obligation to reveal the secret uh, of Fatima in 60. We're all aware of that. It's a separate issue. And then we get to Paul VI. Again, Paul VI, unfortunately, went just so far, but not far enough. He consecrated the world again without the bishops in 1964. And when Lucia's memoirs were published in 67, she reiterated that no consecration, including uh, Paul VI or Pius XII's, had sufficed. Uh, in fact, Paul uh, VI famously lamented the smoke of Satan had entered the church in, in 72. So here we are. We're in chaos. Things are getting worse. We can excuse perhaps John Paul I for not doing anything. And, and in fact, if you read my book, he had a profound interview meeting with Sister Lucia, and it appeared that he was actually going to do it. One might speculate that his end was a result of that intention. God, God knows. Uh, but then we come to John Paul II, a very saintly pope. He loved Our Lady. He did multiple consecrations. He did consecrations in 81, 82, 83, 84, 91, and 2000. And guess what? never mentioned Russia, never mentioned Russia. In fact, he really didn't have the participation of the entire episcopacy, which is required. And I go in my book, uh, Pope by Pope, of what they actually did do, what they didn't do, uh, the recorded conversations and, and writings that Lucia said. I mean, she said after his 82 consecration in 83, it didn't suffice. She said the same thing in 84, 85, 87. I do believe, John Henry, that John Paul II wanted to do the consecration. He wanted to ask Russia. He's on record of consulting with his advisors and, and quite a few Vatican diplomats discouraged him from mentioning Russia in the consecration. Uh, so unfortunately, the church remains in turmoil. The, the, the world remains in turmoil. I speculate that, uh, you know, any consecration is accepted by heaven and brings down some graces. And, and perhaps, you know, some, some believe that maybe what John Paul II did, because he did it so many times, drew, drew some graces down for the church. Perhaps we avoided war and conflict then. The Soviet Union did, did fall. I, we, we think we saw some benefits, but we did not see the conversion of Russia and we did not see a period of peace for the world. Benedict XVI, again, you know, he consecrated Italy. Uh, but but he didn't consecrate Russia. Um, uh, just a brief uh, point on, on, on that. He did send an envoy to Russia in 2007, inquiring whether a consecration of Russia would be offensive to them. And the report came back that evidently it would be. So he dismissed all efforts in, in that regard. But I think Fatima weighed extremely heavily 
on Pope Benedict. You know, he, we said he opened the dossier, if you will, on Fatima in 2010. When I was in, in Rome giving a conference on this very topic, a day or two later, you know, he, he connected the, the third secret with sins of the clergy, sins, you know, within the church, which, well, that wasn't part of what was released in 2000. So it's, it's so mysterious. There, there's something else I don't think that people know, but I learned about it because I have the Italian transcript. When the Vatican released the part of the third secret in 2000, at the very end of that interview with Cardinal Ratzinger, where Father Gruner was actually named and somebody asked him, what do you think about you know, these crusades of, of Father Gruner? Cardinal Ratzinger said that there is a reason why the magisterium chose not to do it. He was referring to the consecration of Russia as Our Lady requested. That is in the, the transcript, and perhaps you can even see it in the video. So all the evidence is there, you know, John Henry. Um, it hasn't been done precisely the way Our Lady has requested, and hence we haven't seen the conversion of Russia and a period of peace in the world. Yeah, and so... It means for this Friday, there's a lot of praying yet to do, a lot of praying and sacrificing on behalf of the people for the Pope. I know actually, if I, I hope I'm not saying something out of turn, that you're involved with a number of cardinals to try and encourage the proper wording to uh, be used. I've submitted my suggestions and recommendations, you know, humbly for their review. Uh, I can tell you that those with whom I have been speaking and corresponding, they do recognize the gravity of this and they do recognize how precise we must be with the language, which is comforting. Um, the question is, is this going to make it all the way to his holiness? This is why prayer and penance and reparation, I think now are so important. The devil's gonna do everything he can to thwart this. Just modifying the, the formula, just discouraging bishops from participating, you know, this is really in the hands of, of the Holy Father, but it's going to take us, the faithful, to draw those graces he needs to, to take this to the finish line. Oh, absolutely. And the stakes couldn't be higher. One of the things that is in both the second, as they call it, the second secret of Fatima, and then in the interview with Father Fuentes in an even more uh, strident form, is that various nations will be annihilated, as the Second Secret said. And then when speaking with uh, Father Fuentes, uh, our um, Sister Lucy revealed that Our Lady said both to Jacinta, Francisco, her cousins, and to herself that many nations would be annihilated. And so the consequences for getting this wrong and delaying are dire indeed, as, as dire as it can be. And then you mentioned briefly, but I'd like to just elaborate that a little bit more about the King of France in a hundred years. So if you can get into that a little bit, explain the significance of that as it relates to this time we're in right now. Sure. In, in 1689, Jesus uh, commanded that the King of France at the time consecrate his nation to the sacred heart of Jesus. Very simple. Please consecrate the nation to the sacred heart of Jesus. And I, we recall the, the apparition at Rianjo when he, when he mentioned to Lucia, if the ministers delay you know, the execution of my request, they're going to follow uh, the same type of misfortune. The misfortune that our Lord was referring to was the, um, the grandson of, of the king. So we have three generations, which brings us to, to 100 years from the moment that the request was first issued by our Lord 
1689 and going from memory brings us to 1789 and, and John Henry you and I spoke off the record about this but it was 100 years to the day where because the king of France did not execute the request he was formally deposed by the Masonic revolutionaries he was later executed at the guillotine he didn't die that day but he was deposed and lost all authority and ultimately met his end by the enemies of of the country right and so i've always thought that god is communicating to us you know with with numbers and dates and if our lady uh came to fulfill her request uh, for the consecration in 1929 wouldn't it make sense that we would have until 20 29, if our Lord is drawing this parallel between the King of France and the consecration of the Sacred Heart and the Holy Father and the consecration of the Immaculate Heart, it would make sense. And so here we are, 2022, seven years from that date. But because Russia is already in the act of chastising Ukraine and perhaps the entire world, even threatening nuclear devastation to, to the West, we might not have any more time to wait. It's playing out before our very eyes. Yeah, yeah. So the severity, the seriousness, the need for our massive intercessory prayer, reparation, fasting, and so on is is as severe as it could be. A um, couple of things that I also wanted to touch were um, the significance, as you mentioned, uh, of March 25th. Uh, besides, it's the Annunciation, as as the Holy Father mentioned in his message, even on the angels. But what's the significance of March 25th to all this? It's it's incredible. I mean, it kind of sends chills on my spine that there could be no greater day to do this consecration. Um, March 25th, as you mentioned, is is the day that our Lord became incarnate in the womb of the Blessed Mother, which you know Saint Paul calls him the second Adam. But mystics, including Mary of Agreda, say that the first Adam was also created on March 25th. It, it isn't, isn't that incredible? We also know or believe anyway that our Lord died on Friday, March 25th. Okay, so we have the creation of the first Adam, the creation of the second Adam, the redemption by the second Adam. You know, th this is proven, if you will, by the fact that the thorn from one of the crowns of our Lord, which is in uh, in a in a church in southern Italy, Irpano, I, I think, uh, bleeds every time Good Friday falls on, on March 25th. And so, you know, here now we have a date that could possibly be the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, who conceived our Lord in the room and, and the restoration of the Catholic Church, if you will the birth of Adam, the birth of Christ, the rebirth of the mystical body of Christ. It is incredible what is before us. And God couldn't orchestrate this in any other way. Absolutely beautiful. The other thing that I think is, is most pertinent to what we're experiencing right now is the third secret of Fatima. And this is somewhat controversial, as, as controversial as it is to speak of the consecration not yet being fulfilled exactly as Our Lady desired, but I think we're beyond it on that question. But with regard to the secret, we're definitely not. And you had an experience in, in 2010 I'd like you to get into because I think it was totally fascinating. Uh, you spoke with or challenged, or you, everybody should remember, you're, you're a lawyer, have been so for 25 years, and you had a specific challenge with regard to the co-author of the 2000 document 
which sort of said, it's all done. It's all wonderful. Everything's finished. We don't have to worry about Fatima anymore. If you can get into that, please. My specific challenge was to Giuseppe De Carli, who was the co-author uh, for Cardinal Bertone and the spokesperson, really, for Cardinal Bertone on the question of Fatima. And this has been recorded and also memorialized. But my, my question to him uh, related to his use of the plural uh, when he referred to the Fatima secret uh, being printed by Lucia on sheets of paper in Italian fogli. And I kept pressing him about that. Why are you referring to multiple sheets if the Vatican's position in 2000 was that it was only written on one sheet, okay? And he then said basically, well, I was only referring to one sheet, it was folded, but that didn't make any sense. But what Descartes says in that confrontation after I kept pressing him, because I said, sir, with all due respect, you have repeatedly stated sheets, sheets, sheets throughout your interviews and even throughout today. He said, I'm a human being, can't I make mistakes? And he finally said, you know what, after Father Gruner and Chris Ferrar and I continue to press him, he, he finally said, maybe they tricked me. Incredible. He said, maybe they tricked me. Um, it was astounding that the Vatican spokesman really wasn't clear about the third secret and the fact that it was written on multiple sheets. I don't know why he wouldn't have been because Cardinal Bertoni showed in his 2000 interview on Porta Porta, he showed two separate envelopes with two separate texts and two separate orders of Our Lady written by Lucida on each envelope. So it surprised us, I guess, how little in the know he was. But I, I do say that he, he seemed to be a man of integrity and goodwill. He embraced us at the end of it. And you know what? God took him um, that July uh, 13th on the, on, on the anniversary of Fatima. God, God took him. So it, it just was astounding and devastating. And all this adds, John Henry, to the mystery of, of the third secret. It does. It does. Because, you know, it's funny. If you look at the secrets, you get the vision of hell and the kids see it and they describe it. The second secret is more like an explanation of the vision, which is what it is. You've seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go, etc., etc., about Russia and so on. So then we have the so-called third secret, and I believe it was revealed in 2000. Except it's only the vision part. Unlike with the first one, we get the vision part described, and then the second being an explanatory note. The third, apparently, is only the vision with no explanation, when arguably it's even much more confusing than the first vision, and yet no explanation. Give me your thoughts about that, if you would. Well, it, it defies logic that our Blessed Mother would not explain such a vision, vision to the children. I mean, it was terrifying enough. Now, if she had to explain what hell was, and I think they knew what they were looking at, and she still went to an in-depth explanation of what hell was, wouldn't it follow that she would explain this terrifying vision, which even us as adults don't understand what it is, of, of course. And, and the greater evidence of that is not just logic, but it's looking at Sister Lucia's diary, right? Which they, they, they came out later in, in the 40s. She said the third secret begins with in, in Portugal, the dogma of the faith will always be preserved, etc. She said the etc. was a placeholder for Our Lady's words that she did not have permission at the time to reveal, but then wrote them down subsequent to that. 
So that was never addressed by the Vatican in the 2000 uh, release or the 2000 press conference of what are the words that follow the et cetera clause because Our Lady did not say et cetera. Our Lady gave an explanation of the vision. There are more facts surrounding that on a piece of paper, you know, written on so many lines, in, held in a separate envelope, held in a separate repository within the Vatican, et cetera. There's so much evidence leading to the, conclu the conclusion a definitive conclusion that there is another text that has not yet been revealed. Yeah. Truly, truly fascinating things. Uh, when we read later diary entries and things like this, we see very many different things that don't look like that you've yet been accounted for. The annihilation of nations that we've already spoken of. Uh, in one um, revelation, Yacinta asks Lucy or Lucia, if uh, she's able to reveal the, the seeing of a crowd of people crying in fields and in long lives starving. And uh, Lucy says, no, that's part of the secret. You can't reveal it. And uh, so all these questions, what do you make of the, I don't want to say probability or, or chance that we might still see some of these horrific things when there's only a few days separating us from the consecration? It's a very difficult and, and anxious <clears throat> question. I, I have a lot of anxiety this week because I know how the evil forces have, have prevented this thus far. We're going back to 1929 when our Lord and our Lady asked for this to be done. And here we are in 2022. Um, yes, I do. God has revealed these, these chastisements, John Henry, obviously because he wants us to avoid them. And he also wants us to know what we avoided by following his will, right? Um, if this consecration is, is not done correctly uh, this Friday, I fear then we are closer to those chastisements uh, only because of the geopolitical situation in the world right now and what's being threatened. We, we don't know. We don't know if that's gonna happen or if we have another shot at it, but we've never been closer to, like I said, either the annihilation of nations and the destruction of the West or the conversion of Russia in a period of peace. We've never been closer than we are now, not just based on chronology, but based on the facts and the events that are unfolding right now in the world. Yeah. One of the other matters uh, that I just wanted to touch on is there has been consternation over and above all of what we've already discussed, but about Pope Francis himself. He has shown himself over the last eight years to be truly unfaithful in a lot of things, a lot of the teachings of the church that people even doubted could ever happen out of a pope's mouth, out they come over and over and over again on, on so many issues that if anyone's followed uh, on LifeSite, they know all about. How is it, the question is asked, that a pope has been so unfaithful can yet make a valid consecration? Well, it is not the sanctity or orthodoxy of the Pope that has merited the conversion of Russia. It is the merits of Our Lady. People have to understand that. Our Lady has merited the conversion of Russia. God is pleased with Our Lady and her merits. This is why God is going to convert Russia. It's all due to Our Lady. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis, He's an instrument of it. He's an empty vessel. He's an instrument. His orthodoxy and sanctity are irrelevant, just as they are irrelevant when he confects the sacraments. And, and, and so people 
have to understand this is about the Blessed Virgin Mary and her triumph and her merits, and it has nothing to do with the merits of the Pope. Mm -hmm. So, unbelievable times. We're all praying, uh, and especially I think people like you who are so attuned to the gravity of this, the severity of this. Any closing words uh, for us as we approach this really historic day? And uh, yeah, what are, what are your final thoughts? Our hearts and minds and prayers have to be with Pope Francis, okay? There's unfortunately, I think, a bitter spirit among Catholics. We've been rightly disappointed by some of the things that His Holiness has done, me included, I admit it. But I think now is the time to get rid of that spirit and to be his greatest cheerleader, to pray, because he too has suffered. He too has suffered. And he needs our prayers like never before. If we are truly Roman Catholics united to the vicar of Christ, then he needs all of our help. We're all in this together. Let's be his cheerleader and not his critic. That's what I would say to, to the faithful. Let us really hope, because this will bring the conversion of many, many hearts. And uh, I'm sure Bishop Schneider has been praying, encouraging the faithful to pray for the conversion of Pope Francis, and of course, drawing attention to all of what he's done. But he's done so in a great spirit of love. It's never an antagonistic spirit. It's always one of great love for Pope Francis. He's conversed with him. He's worked with him. He's tried his best to explain things to him, especially over Pachamama and things like this. And so let's unite our hearts in prayer for Pope Francis here and pray that along with this consecration of Russia, which is to bring the conversion of so many hearts that we're all, including Pope Francis, converted from any sin that we have and give ourselves completely to our Lord. Thank you so much, John, for being with us. Thank you, John Henry. My pleasure. And God bless all of you. Keep up your prayers this week. We'll see you next time. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop. 
even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parlor, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.